I'm Colton. And I'm Kalen. And, and this is the Future of Thought. Democracy. Is it the greatest form of government? That is the question that we will be dissecting today. And it is one that some of you might think has a really quick and easy answer. Uh, but there's actually a lot of statistics surrounding this question. And uh, also, I, I think me and Colton have our own particular viewpoints on the role democracy plays on the world stage uh, beyond America, you know, if people prefer it. Um, so the question, is it the best form of governance, um, really can only be answered if people who live in democracies, in my opinion, can substantiate that, who also have experience in other other types of govern governments, like communism. But I, I, I think people like that are few and far between. And just to set the groundworks, uh, I can't imagine anyone listening doesn't know what democracy means, but just so we're all on the same page of what exactly Kaylin and I are talking about whenever we mention democracy or democratic rule or, or things like that. Uh, democracy is really just a system of government in which everyone in the population is able to be represented to the state. You're able to vote. You participate in the state. You are a member of the state. Um, and that's really the definition that Caleb and I will be using if we mention democracy in any form in this. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Caitlin, if I did. Yeah, no, you're good. It's, it's good to clear things up. Um, so I want to say that I guess I'm going to preface everything I say here with my opinion uh, before I get into, uh, you know, any research that actually substantiates some sort of final answer that might come out of the t this discussion. But at a fundamental level, democracy is something that seems preferred. I mean, I, I would most definitely prefer it because with democracy comes the idea of choice. You know, whether or not that's an illusion is an entirely different discussion, depending on where you're from. But, um, yeah, d democracy is definitely – democracy versus other forms of government, whether it be authoritarian regime or a, a oligarchy, it's – it's definitely interesting because when I look at a democratically run state, it's if it's truly a democracy, uh, I think it's easily preferable because whether or not you like currently what's happening or you want change, democracy gives you the ability to have an impact. Um, so, I mean, that's my quick and easy personal answer. Um do you have one, Colton? Let's let's hear what you got. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you can think about um, Fukuyama's The End of History, uh, a pretty well-known um, writing. Um, and it's fascinating because in that, uh, Fukuyama uh, proposes that we are reaching uh, what you might call the, the, the end – well, he calls it the end of history, obviously, but the end game for civilization. And, and the proposition is that democracy – is the end goal, right? We mm -hmm. we reach a point where in every nation over time, every state throughout the world or throughout the planets, if we expand further, you have the ability for every individual to represent themselves. And since everyone is representing themselves, majority rules, therefore the most people are prospering or, or at least happy, right? 
Yep. But it's interesting because uh, there are lots of arguments that can be made and have been made and will continue to be made um, that a single ruler, let's say, um, whether it's an authoritarian state or a king, uh, an older term mm -hmm. in some places, still relevant in a little bit in some others. Uh, nonetheless, there's less red tape, right? So you talk about uh, Donald Trump wanting to drain the swamp. He wants to get rid of the bureaucracy and the the um, extra workers of the federal government. I believe he actually did um, remove something like half of the federal bureaucracy with, without refilling the positions. Now, of course, part of that, unfortunately, was this – I forget the name of the council that works on virus prevention. Um, obviously, <laughs> that was an unfortunate timing considering the uh, COVID-19 pandemic we're in right now. But nonetheless, he, he was doing that. And in some ways, if you like the ruler, you like the leader, you like the dictator, whatever situation you're in, and you support their opinions and the general public supports them, there is a much easier path forward to instantiating these improvements to society. It could be something that mm. is as simple as a 1% higher tax. It could be social welfare programs. It could be increased military spending. These are all things that are somewhat contentious today, at least in the U.S. and I'm sure elsewhere, that with a single ruler system, let's say, if they were maybe not omnibenevolent, but they were well-intentioned, they could get a lot of good done. But of course, history has showed us that whenever you have great power, the great responsibility doesn't necessarily follow mm -hmm. and no power and money can go to your head. But there certainly are good arguments to be made for individual rule and for the benefit it could bring to society. Right. Yeah. I, you're definitely with with uh, with some authoritarian and uh, other types of regimes. You definitely, uh, if they're run correctly, you get a huge boost in efficacy. Um, your output and the things that you can change in a short amount of time probably goes th through the roof. Um, if you're a regime that is widely supported, uh, whereas in a democracy, I'm sure if you survey any average American right now, they'll probably say that our country is disabled in some way or another because it can't get things done. But I, I think that's that's a byproduct of um, a, at least somewhat working democracy is, is kind of this slowing down of progress when it comes to things like law and and. Uh, and things at a higher level uh, that are run at the inst institution level. Um, one thing that I uh, quickly skimmed, I didn't read all the way, um, but it was this uh, study by uh, a publisher called Asian Barometer that talked about um, surveying uh, 46 countries. I don't remember exactly all of the 46, but a majority of them were Asian countries, uh, surveying the people and asking them, um, I don't exactly know how the questions were cited precisely, but basically if they prefer democracy and what they thought about a democratically run state. And the correlation they found in their studies was that people who typically didn't really understand what democracy was preferred it less, and people who knew what democracy was preferred it more. And so obviously in Western nations like America, Canada, Germany, you're going to get people that typically prefer democracy, um, which makes sense because 
not only do they live in that type of system, but they're, they're aware of how it works. Um, and so an interesting that could be argued, although I don't know it because I don't live in China, uh, I don't live in Russia, but perhaps an issue with people continuing to support regimes that may not be in the best interest of the people um, is that they're just ignorant. And that's not to be an insult. That's just to say that they're they're completely unaware of the situation and, and uh, how powerless they truly are in, in in the in the government that they're a part of. Right, and I think you hit a really important point there. Ignorance is the foundational problem, you might say, for so many facets of society that are not beneficial to a lot of people. So those situations where you have individuals voting for a politician based on a party, but maybe that individual um, is actually voting on someone who doesn't have policy, doesn't propose policy in their best interest, right? Or you have individuals like we're talking about who they don't know that democracy exists or maybe other forms of government they might prefer. So they, like a meritocracy, for example. Mm -hmm. So they can't be in favor of it if they don't know it exists, right? Or they believe they don't have any power to make it, to influence change, to implement it, right? The same thing happens with, extreme cults you know this is a really common situation where in any facet of your life that could be improved almost as a requisite is ignorance of the topic mm -hmm. and, and it's just a really important point that uh, even before we progress and talking about the, the validity of democracy or if it's preferred or if it's not you can't even have the option if you don't have the awareness right Moving forward, another thing I want to share uh, about my understanding of uh, nations that have differently run institutions like China and Russia, um, which I don't know all too much about, to be completely honest. I mean, I, I do know that the, 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 the head leaders of both nations are consolidating power for themselves, what with the life terms and uh, dissolving certain parts of the government that— um, that may hinder their progress and staying in office. Um, you know, I, the way I view it, it seems like a game where you have to, it's a game of how you can best convince and manipulate the, the populace that you're controlling, that your regime uh, is doing good for the people. If, if it's not a democracy. And, and the other thing that could be talked about here is fear. I mean, I don't know how effective fear-mongering is um, in keeping a populace tame. I imagine maybe for the short term, but not very effective long term. I will interject one exception, at least. North Korea, from the surface, seems to be in check. Obviously, there is immense poverty in the countryside. Mm -hmm. There their city centers are not exactly as they promote them to be. But in terms of not even self-sustaining, but because of their dependency on China, they receive enough imports to, to, on the surface, be able to present themselves as a functioning country. And in a lot of ways, they are functioning, just not for the majority, obviously. But they are functioning in the sense that they aren't deteriorating quickly, right? right. Uh, if that makes any sense. So that's kind of a, a counterexample. But again, the, the future of North Korea, I suspect, is, is yeah, dim. It's not looking very bright for them. Yeah. Sure. On the topic of 
you know these these different types of regimes um one thing that i've noticed thinking about you know this topic of you know democracy over other types of governments is culture because you know the social the social interactions and etiquette of people and what they believe should be required in a government i'm sure is probably the one most important thing when a people uh, determining how a specific group of people answer the question is democracy better i imagine if you ask you know some villages in china the question if they knew what it was they might even say they would prefer communism or um their current authoritarian leader uh just due to the fact that they've been led to believe that it's just merely more effective and th- that they want what's best for everyone in China. I wouldn't know, obviously. I've never been to mainland, inland China, and uh, that probably won't happen for a while, if at all. But if <laughs> if any of you are from mainland, inland China, you know, uh, you could share that with us. That'd be great what you thought. And there are religious implications potentially as well. Um, you know, if you are a... a- a strong supporter of Sharia law, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- I'm not arguing for or against it in this discussion, but if you support Sharia law, that obviously is a theocratic state rule, right? There's no secularism. There's no separation of state. And so in that instance, then you would prefer to be ruled by the religious leaders of your religion or, or of your nation state. And that would be better to you, maybe not because of your own individual liberties, but because of your ability to, you know, worship a God and do what's right because of your holy book, right? So there's a lot of implications here that aren't necessarily simply economic, this is what I want, or social norms, social structures, this is what's best for society. There are so many layers to this that affect different substrates of society too. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, it's definitely a hard topic to approach. I'm trying to think here, because when we look at the question of is democracy, you know, really the best, the best way of governing a state or a country, would we be considering how effective it is, or, or, or like, by, what would you think be the criteria for determining, like? what would put democracy above other things? You know, I I guess that's, we should maybe settle that. That brings up a really good question because frankly, I'm not sure there's an exact answer, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it could be a value proposition of what promotes uh, the most human well-being or the well-being of conscious creatures. If you believe that mammals have a level of consciousness, for example. Mm -hmm. So whatever promotes well-being, that could be the goal of democracy. It could simply be, from a realist uh, perspective, economic growth, right? Uh, it's it's something that I don't think we have the, not to get too deep, but I don't think we have the morals of society settled in a sense. And what I mean by that is there's still, I mean, we're still young species in a lot of ways. Um, we, we only industrialized, you know, a few centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And because of that, our technology is is making us appear so advanced but our our intelligence yeah. is only so far it's only changing so quickly yeah. and we haven't quite settled a lot of really important uh, prerequisite discussions right uh, for example what 
what is morality, right? Is it mm-hmm. simply objective truth based on a leader? Is it subjective based right. on rational thought? Is it a third option that's less talked about, objective based on well-being and morality or well-being and uh, and, uh, pain scales, for example, like how little or how much pain individuals are feeling um, collectively. There's Once we have these major discussions and we have at least semblances of of answers um, approaching, I think only then can we compare these different domains because if we don't have these domains understood very well, if we haven't placed a value on economics compared to human life, then it makes situations of democracy or pandemics, you know, when can you reopen the economy versus, you know, when should you maintain human life? It, it makes these situations really difficult. And I think we're just such a young species that it's challenging for us to really have an absolute answer. So, I mean, I think there might be a number of possible absolute answers out there, but I have no way of telling you what that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it comes back to society and culture. I mean, I, I think that's definitely the closest thing we could get to, like, an answer. It would be coming down to, you know, how how can we come together as a culture or a society, unify, and really figure out the answer to which of these is better? Because I, I, I do think there is a, a solid answer. I, I think it's difficult to approach this situation relatively and, and excuse authoritarian regimes uh, regardless of what they do. I mean, they could do good, but at the end of the day, so little power is in the public that if something bad were to happen, right, it's no longer up to the whims of the public what that thing is. It's up to the whims of uh, the leader and their small clique of power that that, that they can control. Um, so it's it's interesting for sure. Let me ask you then, because we've both done our own separate research for this podcast. For those who don't know, um, Kaylin and I do our own separate research, and then we have our own uh, pages on documents where we take notes from our research and what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't often look at the other person's research. But based on some of my research, and, and maybe you read this site as well, Kaylin, it came up pretty search and uh, pretty quickly in search results, uh, was the Democracy Index that I found online. Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, the United States uh, was actually downgraded from a full democracy to a flawed democracy in 2016. And it's really interesting because the United States, at least by the citizens internally, as far as I can tell, are very patriotic and see the U.S. as this economic free state and uh, in a democratic safe haven for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating because we're something like, I think it was 26th or uh, 25th. It's 25th is what it was. Yeah, um, I'm on- pulled up here. Yeah, 25th. Okay, great. So you found that as well. Um, and, and really my point of bringing that up is I, I wonder, Kalen, is it justified to compare the world to the United States as this democratic haven for, you know, a, individual rights and liberties and our equal representation when you have, you know, elections that have scandals, as we saw in, you know, with uh, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and potentially Russia, but I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of that because I'm too uneducated. Um, Mm -hmm. You have potential scandals, 
You have an electoral college, which is a really interesting situation because that makes some individuals feel like their votes aren't as important. And I'm just wondering, I mean, what do you think about comparing the world to the United States as so many American citizens do? Okay, so my viewpoint on America as, as like, you, you know, a democratic country, when I was being taught in high school, I used to look at the United States as kind of a beacon of liberty in a world that is evolving to match the standards that the United States has set, right? Now, whether or not that was just my education alone or, you know, many other people's as well, I'm not sure. Uh, but obviously, as I've entered college and uh, I'm now one year in and doing my own research, um, it's quite clear that some, in my opinion, some countries have adopted what we've tried to foster here now um, and have taken it to the next level. Um, looking at the same index you mentioned, um, I, I don't know how substantiated this index is, but I, I'm sure there's a bunch of research put, put behind it. Um, but Scandinavian countries, Norway, Iceland, Sweden, they are extremely high on this index, and I'm sure for good reason. Now, I, I have minimal knowledge on these countries, but I, I think one thing that separates these countries that are higher on the list, in my, in my honest opinion, than from America, is that these countries have a better sense of collective efficacy and civil society like they, they are very strongly knitted together people um as far as i see as an outsider looking at them as, as an american looking at these people th that's kind of how i view it and um you know i'm not exactly 100 percent on how they feel about each other and their government but um as it's talked about and it's very rarely here but as it's talked about in the news and some articles um those scandinavian countries i mentioned are they're extremely adept at, at what they're pulling off with their governments and their people. And it seems like the populace is for the majority happy. And, and it's truly impressive because in recent years, like you mentioned with the scandals and the just lack of transparency sometimes with the government, um, people are really, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, I feel like it's hard to set the United States to the same standards of these countries. Um, in, in my opinion, it's also due to the fact that our media and our news control such a huge market and such a huge audience that they can easily manipulate the viewpoint on America. Um, I have a pretty poor... I, I'm not going to say poor. Poor is kind of low bar. Low <laughs> setting the United States to low standards. I'm going to say I have below average viewpoints on the United States right now. And it's probably because of these news and media outlets that continue to um, cover things and say things that typically promote negative attitude towards the government. Now, is that a good thing? I couldn't tell you. I don't know how much to trust here and, and who to trust. And I think that's part of the issue. It's kind of hard to figure out, you know, what, what exactly should I be listening to? In America, and I don't know what it's like elsewhere, because I've never been outside of the United States, unfortunately. I think you bring up really two good points there. Uh, in reverse order, news is a really fascinating p 
piece of United States uh, politics, really. I know they're not yeah. inherently political. They're just inherently sources of information. And obviously politics, governing involves a lot of information spread. But that information has no standard, right? There's no bad, there's no badge of honor that says in the corner of your TV screen or your social media page, this news site has been verified that 95 or higher percent of what they say is true. That little badge doesn't exist, right? So it's an interesting game of feeding <laughs> the identities, feeding the viewpoints of those who are so individualistic in the US, which was your second, rather your first point, my second point, that you have so many individualized people, people who may or may not be in favor of a social democracy or let alone a, a democratic socialism uh, because they want their independence, right? And I, mm -hmm. and I also understand those opinions and sometimes uh, agree with them. So we have this very large group of uh, around 330 million people mm -hmm. who are often very independent. And then you, over time develop news medias that instead of being verified by any independent source, because I don't know how that would even work, but instead of having any kind of verification, they simply spread the information to groups that form in the nation, right? So of course there's obvious examples of this. People on the right would say their favorite is Fox News, people on the left, you know, MSNBC, CNN. And these are just generalizations, but there's a lot of truth to it. So it's it's a really difficult proposition now. It's a really difficult proposition now to understand and try to propose a way forward, right? To try to find this, to refine, if if you think we had it at one time, this state of true democracy, if that's what we're in favor of, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are, if this democracy index means anything, clearly falling. And as a country that, as far as I could tell from my education and from yours, claimed to be this, this stronghold of human rights and democracy and, and Western thought, as it might be said, we have to find a way to re, regain that information yeah. and retain what, what we have, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm hoping I'm not uh, saying anything that doesn't make a lot of sense. But does it does that kind of hit home with you too, Kalen? Yeah, I I I would I would love to see America climb ranks on this. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm from the United States and see my own country that's supposed to be at the you know the pinnacle of freedom be uh, pretty far down there is kind of disheartening. But I mean, at the same time, you know. I think the biggest the biggest hard hitting issue is just the fact that an overwhelming feeling of uneasiness and distrust has grown from I'm going to give one example, you know, it's this is not exclusive to our president Donald Trump, but he, he himself, you know, whether or not you consider it funny or provocative or whatever, the truth is, when he he stands up there and he calls things fake news and he 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 defaces all of these things, whether through whether because of trying to publicize himself as 
a certain personality or whatever the hell else he's trying to do. I mean, it really just hurts the transparency because you now look at that media source. You're like, well, I've trusted that for 10 years and our own president's calling it garbage. Like what? What's happening here? And then, you know, I, I think it's predominantly a culture thing. In my opinion, I think it's just we're such a mosh pit of different peoples and with a current administration that's all over the place, especially with the pandemic, too. And during the election season for 2016, it was just a complete mess as well. I mean, I don't blame people for lacking the trust that they want to have for the government. Um, do I see a way back up? I mean, the, my my like fairy tale solution might be to somehow bring people together, and I don't like the idea of controlling outlets and media and news. But I kind of I kind of like the idea of your like certified little ribbon on the bottom of the screen that says this source isn't full of biases. You know, giving the people the choice and allowing the market to saturate naturally, where people hopefully, I mean. I would hope people heard to the the news source that is more uh, factually based, and obviously you'd have to have very strict and very very um, intelligently run criteria for that news source in order for it to be honestly and truthfully, uh, you know, what it says it is, which is fact based. But if we could have a trend towards that, I think that would create a huge implosion. And also, I think it begins with education, too. I think education, the education system plays a huge role in determining, you know, what, what comes out of people when when they're now adults and they have to face all these, you know, big hitters like politics and world, world, uh, world news and all, all sorts of things that just start flooding your head as soon as you're out of high school and you're like, wait, I'm an adult now? It, it's kind of crazy. Um, I, I think fixing up the education system in some ways could also help help us kick back up the list, if, if that's the goal here. Before we continue, we'd like to make a quick announcement. We run this podcast ad-free. Of course, with the trial version of Spotify, for example, some ads are simply out of our control. However, we will never run third-party ads during the Future of Thought podcast. This podcast acts to provide accessible, unhindered discourse for all who listen. Because of this, we rely on you, the listener, to support this podcast. Support us by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the future of thought and selecting the tier of your choice. Regardless of how much or how little you choose to donate, you are a greatly appreciated listener. Now let's get back to the podcast. I I think everything you said is exactly right. And to expand on it even further, I wouldn't be surprised if the political game of re-election in the United States, if that, I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't play a major role in the problems we have today, right? So when you near near re-election season, let's look at the presidency right now. For those of you listening, um, at the time of this release or shortly after we have the midst of a pandemic, you know, you're trying to reopen an economy mm-hmm. and then you have, I think it was just yesterday. I was actually showing Kalen uh, this clip. It's you have Donald Trump uh, giving a press conference and during the press conference, 
you have a bunch of truckers oh on the nearby street <laughs> honking their horns on full blast, just holding them down, and you can hear almost nothing during the speech. It's a something of an auditory protest, right? And then, of course, during during this, I wouldn't call it mayhem, that's a stretch, but during this experience, you have Donald Trump at his microphone, uh, speaking nice and loud right into the mic, saying, I support these people. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And then he keeps talking. He says, I support these people because they are protesting, they are protesting exactly how much they like me. And you're trying to like process what that means. And he's like, these are people who love me or something to that extent. I hope I didn't um, mischaracterize that at all, Kaylin. No, yeah, yeah, you pretty much got it on the, you got it right on the, you got it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Right. It's, it, it's, and it's not just to call Donald Trump out. I mean, any, any person in politics is trying to play this game of reelection, right? The whole goal is if you want to be in power and you want to influence, whether it's your community locally or at large, you need to remain in power in a lot of ways. It's almost incentivizing that. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but there is a huge, huge game right now of if you have money, if you're good at marketing yourself, you can at least get on the docket and get a large number of votes, right? That's that's something that can happen, you know? Uh, it's just a fascinating game because you have the uh, rally around the flag effect whenever a president, you know, uh, isn't doing super hot and then they either, you know, say claim someone had a terrorist attack or they bomb someone and then it looks like we're in a war state. And then in a war state, you know, everyone rallies around their leader, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Bill Clinton did something similar. It, it's common throughout history. And now you have Trump saying he's a wartime president. And in a lot of ways, he, I mean, he might be intrinsically a wartime president in some ways, although admittedly some of this death and warfare could have been prevented. But that's a discussion we've already had on this podcast. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's just a fascinating game of here's what's true, but I'm going to say it in a way that maybe isn't true, but it makes me look good so I can get reelected and continuing my power. And I think this dynamic, this structure, although it enables a democracy, it is a democracy really because people are selecting those who they support. They're not selecting you to continually running a campaign. They don't want you to get elected in 2016, have four years in office, but after two, you start campaigning for the next election. They elect you because they think your opinions are the best of all the options, whether or not it was a fair election based on how much money you had. That's a different discussion, but they regardless voted for you because they think you're the best candidate who is going to do the most for this country or at least do the least harm for this country. And they expect that you use your term to do just as such, right? And so it's a really interesting dynamic where I think combined with the education you talked about and a couple other things that you mentioned, this game of politics, once people are in power, only perpetuates this problem. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll give you an interesting perspective since, and this might be biased for engineers and against politicians, but at the end of the day, you know, any, anyone could be a good person. But um, as an engineer, you know, you're, you're taught that your, your job is to save lives, basically. You're going to design this thing so a human can live safely, comfortably, and uh, for as long as possible inside of something. A politician, a politician tries to get reelected, regardless of how many people get hurt, who or when or what or why. I mean, at the end of the day, if they don't get reelected, they don't have a job. 
And so, you know, whether they have good intent or bad, the game of politics is one of re-election. Uh, and, and when I compare it to engineering, it's it's interesting because engineers are punished for doing bad. Politicians really are promoted. Uh, politicians strive off an environment where they merely get reelected. And so whether or not that's being truthful or honest, who knows? Because not everyone gets to see the effects of what someone does while they're in office, especially since many things are long-term. And so one politician can lie for eight years, get reelected, get paid, and, you know, get away with it. Um, I just think you're right because, you know, with it being very hurtful to the system because now they're playing the game of how long can I stay in office, not what good can I do for the people, regardless of what good intents they had coming into the job. So... And that is exactly the danger of biased media because you take individuals, as you alluded to just now, who vote for someone um, often based on emotion uh, as well as logical information. And then you sit them down in a region where everyone kind of thinks the same. So everyone, you know, watches Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whoever. It doesn't really matter for the sake of this argument. Mm -hmm. But they sit down and they watch this like everyone else in their community or everyone else in their family. And then they're only told the story from this perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's a good idea to just disagree with everyone on the sake of their their misguided emotions because everyone has misguided emotions if all you do is listen to a mainstream media source. Mm -hmm. Everyone. But if we can understand where the failing is in what information is being told, where your education is lacking from the news media, as well as through standard education systems, but for the sake of this discussion through the media, then we can at least empathize with people because their, their conclusions are only formed just like everyone else in the world. Your conclusion is only formed based on the information in front of you. Now, some people are more proactive and they, they do their best to find different sources. Some people don't because it makes them uncomfortable. And some people don't because they just don't know any better, mm -hmm. right? And that's not their fault. I don't know of a news source that I don't know of. I mean, it sounds obnoxious even saying it like that, right? You can't research something that you don't know exists. So really, I think media and education are a huge issue because if you don't know what other sources exist, what other options there are, and you are presented facts that are misguided and are misleading and don't give you the full context, whether that means uh, Democratic or Republican or anywhere else, then you are only going to have your opinion shaped on these set of uh, ostensibly true facts. Mm -hmm. And that's all you have to go off of, right? So at the foundational level, there's just a lot of issues that need to be fixed for the higher level of systematic democratic rule to even be functional right and i suspect that's part of why our our ranking is going down in the the world list right so when we have the discussion is democracy preferable i i think that when when people are asked the question they're going to say yes but you truly have to know what a democracy is to really know the answer to that um I don't know anyone who's had experience in an authoritarian regime. I don't know anyone who's lived in China, who's lived in a communistic state. And I don't know anyone who can tell me that they've experienced that and could legitimately tell me it's better. Because at the end of the day, the, 
I think the best we can discuss about this situation is only how to improve democracy so it, so it is the best of what it can be. Because when I sit here and I try to compare it to other places, it's just hard because I don't know anyone who sits there and openly says that, yeah, I'd love to be ruled by a, by a king and be unfairly treated. And it really comes down to fairness, I think, at a fundamental level when people are given the choice between democracy and, and other rules of government. But is it better? I think the trend is yes. I think the trend is towards yes. Do I, do I think the whole world will trend through towards democracy? Um, hopefully without bloodshed and warfare, yes. <laughs> but um, you never know with the human race. Um, yeah. Yeah, it really makes you wonder too, from an international perspective, um, what is the ultimate end game, right? As I mentioned early on in this podcast, uh, Fukuyama would say it's simply democracy, democratic rule everywhere. That's the end of our sociocultural evolution, as it were. Um, I think something maybe like a, a, a Kantian tripod, right? The, the three pieces of the tripod being um, domestic democratic institutions, right? Democracy, but expanding further into saying that the second leg is interna uh, international institutions, right? That hold um, countries accountable to one another. Yeah. And then the third leg being international economic interdependence, right? If we have a dependency on each other, we can rely on each other, not completely dependent, but an interdependence where we all right. pull a weight and we all are held accountable through international institutions. And we all have democracies, maybe not intrinsically because they're superior to a, a meritocracy or something like that, but because it's at least the same. If it's the same mentality globally, the same mentality globally, then through these international cooperation, we can have a world of peace and a world of understanding where we can begin to empathize with one another. We can begin to have civil conversation and hopefully through that process, which is one I think uh, makes a lot of sense to me, uh, mm. although I'm not an expert on international relations, but through that process, you could then start fixing problems domestically right if you have a accountability on a world stage where all of the best minds come together and and try to do what's best for the world it's it's not going to be a bad thing right at worst at absolute worst nothing changes all that much but at best it is the best thing that's ever happened to society right so it's i mean it sounds like we're both in favor of democracy but of course anyone listening and we always promote that you do your own research and you form your own opinions because we are not experts. We're not economists. As Kaylin said, he's going into engineering. Um, so like we're not the know-all be-all of these individual topics. Right. We're trying to start the discussion. So be sure to do your own research as huh. well. Yeah. Sorry if you heard a little bing there. My mouse died. <laughs> <laughs> Would edit that out, but unfortunately you were saying something pretty important. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, that's okay. You're saying you're saying the hit home. That was the takeaway. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever you have to share, we are we are all ears. Um, I mean, I'm hopefully hopefully I'm planning on expanding my mindset by traveling around the world these next few years during college. Uh, I really need a breath of fresh air because I've really only gotten one perspective my whole life, and it's it's here in America, 
and to be able to know what it's like i mean if even if i could visit mainland china and be com feel completely safe i would <laughs> but um you know i'd have to work out the logistics of that and if that truly is a smart idea which it probably isn't especially not during a pandemic but in, in the future but it, i i would hope that in the future that we can put aside uh, cultural and, and governmental differences, and like you said, form some sort of national coalition of all the countries of the world coming together to cooperate. We already have institutions that try to perform similar tasks, but obviously their their efficacy is debated, and um, you know, not not every country follows their their advisings. Um, yeah, it's a it's such a wicked problem for sure. The 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 debate between democracy and other forms of government, which is better. I think deep down we all know the, the moral and ethical answer is the one that, that gives people the, the freedom to choose for themselves what's the best. Um, because in an authoritarian regime, you don't even have the choice of if you like democracy. Whereas democracy, you could say all day that you like authoritarianism and then go move to an authoritarian state um, and then perhaps be stuck there, unfortunately, and then learn your lesson uh, if it's not as good as you expected i wouldn't know at the end of the day but yeah i mean you got you got any uh thoughts to wrap this up colton frankly all i can say is what i had just mentioned as your mouse was dying it sounds like it really <laughs> we have our opinions we both are obviously in favor of democracy we both think it is superior at least to a lot of other a lot of other uh political systems but at the same time we're not experts and we only have as Kaylin alluded to one perspective or at least one direction right one direction that our perspective has been formed we've never lived we've never lived in an authoritarian state we've never lived in a theocracy that's never happened so frankly if you have let us know you know I, I don't know how likely it is that we'll this podcast will get to someone who has, but <laughs> yeah. experience that. I mean, we'd love to hear it. Or if you know someone who has, right. And as I said, do your own research. Uh, if you like what we say, awesome, but don't just agree with us because we said it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You'll so, find, you'll find me and Colton agreeing with each other in like 87% of things. Exactly. That's okay. Just because we're bouncing the same idea back and forth. Doesn't mean it's the truth. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. In fact, you might've been sitting there saying, Oh my God, can these two shut up about this? It's wrong. But <laughs> yeah, you have every right to yeah. believe that at least in the United States with the rights and liberties we have with our democracy. Mm -hmm. you know what? That's okay. And we support those ideals and, be sure to do your research and come to your own conclusions. Yeah. <laughs>